But it's one thing I love more than getting my pitch over the plate. And that is getting over this plate in Casa Ole. It's like a fiesta in Casa Ole. Casa Ole, fresh today, every day. You get a free child's play, we use ticket stuff from any Astros game. Casa Ole, fresh today, Ole, every day. Casa Ole, Ole! It's Lima Time Time! Episode 33 of Lima Time Time. I am James with half a voice. You are Patrick. How are you doing, Patrick? Well, I have a full voice, so that's better than you, I guess. That's true. I'm doing very well. We have a uh, productive dealing baseball team, which is always good for the spirits. It really is. It's I I don't want to I don't I want to I want to take care of our take care of our contest winners uh, and talk about Barado Spice before we dive right into the how crazy this offseason has been already. So you want to talk about that? I'd like to do the sponsor spot, but I kind of want to make them listen to the whole episode. Oh, I like it. I mean, I think they would anyway. Both of these guys are are loyal listeners, but I I think that would just be the play just in case. So I'm going to, I'm going to wait till the the very end to announce our two winners. Um, So speaking of the contest, our great friends and sponsors at Bravado Spice, teamed up with us to do a little giveaway. If you've been following the account on Twitter, all you had to do was tweet in and say your favorite memory of the show and why you deserve it. It was really easy. I mean, yeah, I don't know why more of you didn't do it. It was a very simple thing to do. Not a tough contest. Um, so, yeah, we picked two winners. Bravado was kind enough to donate a, a large gift pack with all of their products. And then the second place or the runner-up is receiving uh, the the new seasonings, which I just received and have already used, and they are as just as amazing as I thought. Um, also, I'd like to apologize because last week I said pineapple and habanero was one of the seasonings and told you I would come correct if it was wrong. Well, guess what? It was wrong. <laughs> it is jalapeno and garlic. Which rules? It's actually better. I'm. I. I think. I think ultimately they will. They will end up owing you a, a thank you because that's a great idea for a dry rub seasoning. Wait, the pineapple and habanero. I mean, it's got to be already on their board, right? Like all of them. They yeah. just got to. Yeah, but that's gonna turn out awesome on some like, like a twist on sweet and sour chicken or wings or something. Uh huh. With that pineapple habanero, kind of. I don't know. I think it'd be really good. So guys, get on that. So, um, so go to bravadospice.com, buy a bunch of their stuff. Uh, I know that it's Christmas time, so for those of you who celebrate our dear Lord's birth, yes, or some people's dear Lord's birth, I mean, we don't have to get into that. I think we should. <laughs> I think we should. But it, yeah, okay, it's the war on Christmas, on <laughs> Lima time time. But I can't think of a better gift to give to... You know, the in-laws or – wait, that makes it sound like it's bad. It's not bad. But, like, you just buy an assortment of sauces and put it in a cool arrangement. And it's like, wow, this is a cool gift. It's a good stocking so, stuffer. For sure. So go there. Go to your local grocery store. Um, if you don't know if they carry it, seriously tweet me, and I will ask – James each time and he will answer if they carry it or where you can go get it. So I will honestly get that done for you. 
So bravado spice, they rule. And uh, let's get on with the episode. I want to do a nice long spot for them because it. of the contest. So yeah, let's they do this. It. That's cool. That's cool, bravado spice. Thank you, and thank you for sponsoring us this uh, this season. So y'all are- yeah, that was really dumb on your part. Give <laughs> us our money, and we'll continue. Maybe it'll be a partnership in 2017, and maybe a World Series championship. That's right, because it's looking like it. I mean. Fangraphs uh, has updated their projected, and I know it's it's still early, and there are still a lot of a lot of chips that need to fall. Uh, but I was checking this morning, put a link on it on the hot links that um, Fangraphs is projecting the Astros to go ninety one and seventy one, which happens to be the best projected uh, record in the American League. So uh, that's without the Astros having made any sort of move. <laughs> I keep forgetting about Charlie Morton. Does that does Charlie the addition of Charlie Morton do anything for you? I mean, it's an addition. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to completely uh, ignore it, but there's been so many other signings that are they're a little bit prettier. They're yeah, they're higher profile for sure. Um, so anyway, the, the, and, and with fan graphs and they're the first to admit, like, look, 91 wins is not going to be the best record in the American league. Like there's going to be some team that, that over, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, overachieves. That's ironic. I, that's the word I forgot. Didn't have in my vocabulary. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it, but I figured like, no, he's coming up with something else. <laughs> <laughs> there's going to be some team that overachieves and, uh, and 91 wins isn't going to be, but, it, but it's still, it, it's still kind of exciting to look and be like, okay, there's, there's something going on, uh, with the Astros that the, the Jeff Sullivan from Fangraphs is a writer. I don't know him, but I respect his work cause he's funny, uh, and also learned, but, uh, called the lineup, the, the, the deepest lineup in baseball. It can, is. Can you, I mean, is there any arguing with that? Do the Cubs have a better lineup than than the Astros? Do the Rangers have the Astros done enough to eclipse the Rangers as far as bats are concerned? Yeah, I absolutely think they have. I mean, think of we were talking about how our depth was going to come into play before any of these signings. Yeah, just because of the the late experience that a lot of our younger guys got, you know, with Teoscar and. And then Bregman actually coming on late. So those guys already are there and are going to be inclining and hopefully inclining in terms of productivity. But now you add you add three bats, four bats. I I wanted to to bring up Aoki. I think that's something that nobody is really talking about, and we're talking about a career two eighty five hitter. I yeah and. It's um, he's the Astros. I feel like in the last three weeks uh, have gotten a lot more consistency in their lineup because they had a whole bunch of streaky guys: Rasmus, Gaddis, uh, Marisnik will hit like Babe Ruth for like a week uh, out of every two or three months. But like Marisnik's gone from being the starting center fielder. Uh, projected center starting center fielder, you know, when the World Series ended, uh, to to being a defensive outfielder and a guy that's going to play, you know, two three games in a week. And I, 
I always thought like if 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 Jake Marisnik is actually the starting center fielder on opening day, then something's gone wrong. And the Astros have basically remade they've remade their outfield. You know, between Aoki, uh, between Reddick, between Beltron, you know, that's 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 a big upgrade over Rasmus, um, Marisnik, um, you know, Teo- the jury's still out on Tay Oscar, but but Preston Tucker, I mean, so do you think? I guess that's another a question for another for for later. But um, yeah, I'll hold off on that one. That's I'll, I might edit that out. Um, Why? Probably not because I got a lot to do after we get done. Yeah, so, we don't we you don't have to edit. That's for that's for suckers. I've only edited once, and I I sort of regret taking out the. I remember that. That was great, but it was it was warranted. <laughs> um, well, you know, but what about like I mean, see, like that's the depth is. It's crucial because I mean, think of the the leap that Tony Kemp made when he came up. I mean, yeah. So, with guys like that, that are probably gonna struggle to make the roster. I don't know if he actually struggles. I think Kemp makes the roster, don't you? I would. I mean, he's on the forty now. I don't know what else can what else can change. I but. see. I see Kemp as as being more valuable to the team than Preston Tucker. I a hundred percent agree. And I know that Tucker, I guess Tucker was dealing with some injury and some injury issues that he tried to play through. And we've talked about that before, but, but I, I really like Tony Kemp because he, especially last year, you know, he's just one of those guys that he's, he's gonna, he's, or at least that's what he showed us last year. He, he can just hit like, and, and sometimes you just need a dude that can get hits and get on base. He's a ball, yeah, he's a ball player. So he's just one of those guys. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I, I also think we kind of know who Preston Tucker is. I think there's, there's upside to Kemp. We don't know exactly where he can go. He's. I'm not gonna compare him to Altuve just because they're both short. <laughs> but he's kind of a guy that every time he's in, he's producing. And eventually, it just becomes who he is. Yeah, and I feel like we know who Preston Tucker is, and that's not even a slight on him. It's just, you know, he's inconsistent. He's inconsistent, and and the and I I don't want to. I, I think injury injuries had, and we we even got Goldstein to kind of address this. But injuries, you know, they, they happen, um, and you get you get sort of younger guys that that maybe are, are more banged up than they want to let on because they don't want to go on the DL or uh, they don't want to get taken out of the lineup because there's going to, there's especially with the Astros, there's someone that's going to get a look coming right behind them. And so I feel like, I, I, don't, I don't feel as though Preston Tucker has made the most of his opportunities, but I don't think his window has, has necessarily closed. Yeah, he hasn't squandered anything, but I, I I agree with you. I don't think he is has taken advantage because I think he could have at least had a made a run at solidifying one of those spots. Yeah, but maybe well, maybe not given the moves that we've made. I don't think anybody would have, would be at this point. Yeah, no, that's a good point. You know, I don't. I mean, I think if if you're the Astros, you know, you're you're tired of you're tired of not you're tired of not winning essentially, and you're tired of getting trounced by the Rangers. And I don't know about you, but I'm getting pretty freaking sick and tired of, of of the stories about how the Rangers are just a big family that that 
a 25 person family that plays baseball at a high level. Like I'm getting sick of that bull crap. Um, but well, they're going to be bad this year, so we get it's going to be fun. Well, let's. I really, I really think they're going to be terrible. Do you think that the Rangers just? The, I mean, obviously, with their one run record and their ability to win close games, do you think it's sort of like I look at? I'm starting to to feel like the Rangers, like that's one of their. It's like having a high batting average on balls in play. Like everything would indicate that that you you should be around 300 on balls in play but like a guy like Altuve hits 350 and and that's just what he does like do do you think that the Rangers winning close games is that something that's going to catch up to them or is that just sort of one of their one of their things that's a really hard thing to define because uh, you can it's kind of take away what you want it to be from our standpoint We'd like to say, ah, it's going to catch up to them because they were coming from behind a bunch and just stealing all these wins. But that's also a, uh, not to compliment these idiots too much, but that's also a trait of a winner. Yeah. is somebody who takes care of business and they're never out of it. So, yeah, they, they came back a bunch and they had a ton of close games, but winning close games is important. So... Um, I think they're just going to suck, but I don't want to necessarily <laughs> say that it's that is the catching up to them is the reason that they're going to uh, to fall off. Yeah, you know. So I mean, if it was us, it'd be like, wow, we're just resilient and we're never out of it, and that's what good teams do. They win when you play bad, you know, stuff like that. So, but but since it's them, they but also fuck. The Rangers. <laughs> yes, I get to curse again. We've had all these high-profile guests, and I get to come back and yell. I'm I'm back, everybody. <laughs> since it's uh, since yeah, since it's the Rangers, then they're they're devil worshiping devil yep. worshippers that jerk each other off. And oh yeah, they are the worst. And that's going to be fun to always throw that in their face. They can never say anything. <laughs> I mean, they can, but they just that's. That's, that's it. For, that's it for them. That's the that's the wild card every single time. Yep, that for them. The Cardinals are cheaters. We so we're getting we're getting ammo on all of our enemies. So that's basically, true. the the lesson is just don't fuck with us. <laughs> so who has the most impact of the of everyone that they've acquired? And we'll leave Aoki out of it. We'll leave Charlie Morton out of it. But of Reddick, McCann, and Beltran. Uh, who has the the biggest impact on the 2017 Astros? Um, I, I think I'd say Beltran, if he can produce like he did last year. I I know he had a good year last year, but I was pretty shocked at, at his numbers when I went and really dug in on him, that he was almost hitting 300 and almost hit 30 home runs. Yeah. 93 RBIs. I mean, that's a, <laughs> that's not just productive. That's a... That's a hell of a year. It is, and it's not. And it's not like a well for a thirty-nine-year-old. He had a pretty good year. Like that's a pretty good, that's a good year for if you're twenty-five, if you're thirty-one, uh, whatever. That's that's a that's a good year. And we already know he can hit here, and he likes to hit here. So there's all there's already there's there's history on our side as well. Yeah, that he was he killed the ball when he was here, and I think that him just DHing and for the most part and standing around and raking is something that we can expect. And, um, and he, can, and you know, oh, go, yeah, ahead. go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I interrupted you. Go ahead. 
No, I got I got nothing. I was just rambling on. <laughs> um, about his puffy face. He does have a very he has a very bald, shiny head. And just a very puffy face. A very puffy face. He's like the lead singer of Keen. Like he's <laughs> he's skin he's skinny, but but from the neck up, he looks like he runs like a a deuce and a half. So yeah, well, it looks like it's one of those like prosthetic skin from like a movie from like a <laughs> from like a Johnny Knoxville movie. And he's like a guy in disguise. Like. <laughs> um. The thing that, and I wrote about it Saturday afternoon. I I was we were I was in Dallas actually, um, and and took uh, hid in the bathroom so I could I could write a blog post because uh, there were five <laughs> screaming kids uh, around us. So, um, but one of the things that that strikes me about about the way that the offense is constructed is how much versatility there is, and that's something that the I. It's not like the Cubs patented that, but but that was one of the things that was notable about the Cubs that you could have Chris Bryant at third base or left field, um, and then I I can't remember any other Cubs player uh, beyond that. But but with Rizzo, yeah, he can do some things. <laughs> um, no, no, you're absolutely right. That's so we can do a bunch of stuff. So when when Gaddis is catching, then McCann, you know, can get can kind of get the day off cuz he's getting up there in uh in age as well and maybe, you know, maybe McCann can call out a kid for, you know, laughing too hard or having too much fun and get that kid in check when he's in the dugout. But um when when Gaddis or probably when McCann is catching, then Gaddis can DH. Uh, when Guriel, when, when Beltron is at uh, DH, then Guriel can play left. Um, Bregman can fill in, you know, at, at short and third base. And when Bregman needs a day off, you stick him at DH, and Guriel plays third. Like there's so many different possibilities as far as the lineup and kind of taking care of the health of your guys without taking their bat out of the lineup. No, that's. I think that's the greatest thing about this is that now we don't have to complain about that random Sunday afternoon Altuve sitting. We're yeah. going to have a potent lineup no matter who's in there. Yeah. Just because of the way it – I mean, we we barely have nine. Yeah, and the, the bottom of the order last season was, was just a disaster. And, I mean, I was kind of playing around with the lineup a little bit. And, I mean, there's a real possibility that, that – like Guriel could hit seventh or eighth. Like that's right. That's scary. And, and what Reddick hit? What two eighty five last year? Yeah, his power took a. I mean, his home run numbers took a dive, but he was playing in Dodger Stadium. And right. The, and but okay, so you get you have a guy hitting two eighty five, and I think he's like a career two sixty, two fifty five, two sixty five, something like that. So not terrible, but a productive hitter. But at the bottom of the lineup to have a kind of a de facto leadoff guy because of our top of the lineup guy's ability to drive in runs, that's yeah. going to produce so much more runs. The lineup's going to roll over. You're right. So it's going to, it's just going to push everything and just be a, a vicious cycle of, of runs and death <laughs> for all. So I'm, I'm just really excited. And then Aoki too. So when he's playing, he's a, he has, is a 285 career hitter. So you know what you're going to get out of him. And that's just base hits. Yeah. So when you have, you know, runners on runners on first and second or second and third and, you know, 
pick somebody. Yeah, and everyone's going to go through a slump. And and I'm I'm trying. Today I was I was trying to figure out like, okay, this is awesome. I wonder how the Astros are going to break my heart this year. Like I'm I'm trying not to be so defeatist and just. Well, no, that's but that's that's Houston sports fan mentality. That's Astros <laughs> fan mentality, and that's something that you. You can't get over it until it happens. But for you're the, always going to think the worst. It's a it's a feeling that, ugh. Yeah, but for, and, and you can do about it for the first time since 2004, 2005. Like I'm entertaining the possibility that maybe they won't break our hearts. Like there's maybe maybe there's something maybe there's something to it. So, well, there has to be. <laughs> yeah, there has to be. I like can't. this, they've done too much. But let's talk about what they need to address to really uh, sew up our our optimistic hearts, and that would be a starting pitcher. Okay, so so as the rotation stands now, it's and I'm going to rank in order of of who comes to mind, but also kind of how I would uh, maybe maybe set up the rotation. So I I still give Keuchel the opening day start and that's just a title thing hands uh, down but i'd go keichel mccullers McHugh, um and then it gets a little tricky i mean how much they're paying morton uh, i think we've talked about like starting quarterback syndrome like they're paying him too much to to not be in the rotation so i think morton is your is your number five but there's a there's a few directions that they could go in you know, if they don't pick somebody up, so Musgrove, for instance, would be, I'm okay with Musgrove at number four. And uh, see, yeah, he, I, I thought that he would be, I thought he was a had a good chance of being in the rotation at the end of last year that he was going to get a shot. But now, I'm, I'm not so sure. See, I guess it just depends what they do. I think, but, but I also think that that Musgrove is going to be part of a part of a package for the starting pitcher that for any potential like frontline starter. Like I, th- if I was another team, you know, of course I'm going to ask for Bregman. Um, and well, how do you feel about that? I I feel like Musgrove is somebody that I I'd like to. I guess for an ace, you you can't really hold on to a guy like that. But I, I just feel like Musgrove has some crazy upside. I, I he, he totally does. And that's why if you want someone like Chris Archer, uh, or Jake Odorizzi, or, um, I don't think, I don't think the White Sox trade Chris sale. I don't either. I think for some that, reason I, it's well, a feeling though. I think their price tag is so freaking high that, I mean, cause I, we, and we've talked about, I know we've talked about this on, on a number of our postseason episodes, that you've got to ask for Bregman, and for a pitcher like Sale, that's not an unreasonable ask. Not even close. No, that's exactly who who you ask for at minimum. Yeah, it's well, it's 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 going to be four or five players, and it that trade is that trade would hurt. That that trade is going to hurt, um, especially if you've got acute prospect attachment syndrome like I do. But but you know, Marte. I mean, it's going to be. What did I, I was reading that it's it's basically going to be like your best prospect plus three or four plus plus two kind of higher uh, like major league ready yep. guys and then two uh, lower level minor league guys with crazy upside. So I think a, a, the sale deal would be Bregman, Musgrove, 
Francis Martes. Martes, yep. And then Frankie Tuesday, as I like to call him. Francis Martes. Yeah, man. I that 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 nickname needs to stick. Like, how do we not call him Frankie Tuesdays? Uh, we are now. At least cool. we will. Um, and, and so I, I think that's where. And, and so it's my if I was whoever, whatever soulless bastard is the GM of the White Sox. Um, I'm asking for Bregman, Musgrove, uh, Kyle Tucker, and 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 maybe Martes as well. Anybody on the actual roster now? Look, do they want? Do they take? They want to take actual MLB ready players? Well, that that's Bregman and Musgrove. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I was thinking more, more veteran. Like, uh, like, do they want a Gaddis or do they want a? Uh, I don't think. I think they're that. Well, I mean, or a Springer or or some. You know what I mean? Have we talked about whether you would rather trade Bregman or Springer? We have not, and I. It's it's tough for me. I, I go back and forth. I mean, Springer is a good, productive player. You, I mean, he didn't miss any games last year. He's reliable. Life of the party. Big clubhouse presence. Yeah, so, and and Bregman looks like he's going to be everything, but you don't know. You kind of know who Springer is, and there's still some upside there. I, I think it's a toss-up. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's tough. I think Springer is very important to the just the glue of the team, but so, but is that is that price too? Like, would you trade all those dudes for Chris Sale? No, because I mean, if, at just, this point, no, I, I really wouldn't. And and again, it kind of comes down to because Sale, best case scenario, impacts thirty five games. Uh, you know, thirty five out of one hundred and sixty two games. Bregman impacts one hundred and fifty games. Oh, for sure. I, I and you know, I I have a sneaky suspicion that McCullers, granted that he's healthy, is gonna just be lights out this year. Well, it helps that we're all best friends. Yeah, I know, and this this isn't pandering to him because he came on the show and he's awesome. I, I really think that he takes that step and has a healthy year and dominates, and that's what we need. He's, if you if you have a dominant McCullers and Keiko goes back to what he was two years ago, and if we keep McHugh, which I think we will, um, and he just pitches adequately, that's all you need. And then you just need guys who can handle the the bottom part of the rotation and just don't implode. Yeah, and I think that one of the sort of under you know, I, I don't necessarily need. I, I'm okay with. Keiko had a ridiculous 2015. Like he did. Ju- just how, and that even extended into the second half of 2014. For a year and a half, he was maybe the best, uh, the best pitcher in the. Uh, that's. I'm in danger of making a, a wrong statement. He was a, he was he was a freaking because he's not Kershaw, but. Right. He he was one of the best pitchers in baseball for a year and a half. I don't necessarily need I mean if if he if he can do that again next year, awesome. But if he can split the difference between 2015 and 2016, I'll take that. Oh, absolutely. If he just stays healthy and 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 pitches and keeps us in games. I don't even need dominance. I would prefer dominance. Yeah. But and I honestly think that after they've put this lineup together, 
I know people joke about the uh, you know the fifteen run games, but all you need is a a pitcher that can uh, you know pitch to contact and keep us in games, and we're going to win a lot of them. Yeah, and part of that I think is because you know the places where they upgraded, and because Beltron is I mean Beltron is going to hit. Even if Beltron regresses a little bit, it's it's going to be better than poor earhold Colby Rasmus. Um, and Springer is obviously an upgrade in center offensively over Marisnik. Um, yep. You know, Reddick and McCann is going to be better than Jason Castro was at at the plate, and sort of where. Where the Astros have have upgraded, that they're at positions that were so poor offensively that that even if even if the players that they've acquired regress, it's still better than what they had last year. And, and that's the scary thing for for other teams is now, yeah, there is a there is a productive player at every position, including DH right now. Yeah, and not just productive, a a person that can that can hurt you. Yes. And that that's crazy. <laughs> and, and they can hurt you in a variety of ways. I mean, it's you know, it's it's not you know, I think the Astros are going to hit a lot of home runs, but I think with the contact tool that they've acquired with with Beltran um and and McCann, McCann makes better contact than Jason Castro does. And, and I don't know that for sure, but I'm willing to bet a decent amount of money. Well, on he it. like what he hits around 240 something like that. Uh, or at least he did last year. I, I I don't know what his career numbers are, um, but I mean that's 40 points higher <laughs> or yeah. whatever the hell. I don't know what Castro ended up hitting. I'm assuming it was around 200. I I yeah I've seen like 210, 215, something like that. So it, it's that's just still a lot. That's still a lot much better. That's a that's product that's productivity, if you will. So do you think that the veteran leadership is I I've I've never been I've been in a clubhouse before but like after I I've, I've never been, a tree house just a tree Well yeah the Mickey Mouse clubhouse is actually what I was what I was thinking um it's a good one freaking toodles crazy um <laughs> the uh do, do you put do you put the narrative of yeah the veteran uh, leadership like do do the Astros uh, what's the how, do they do they do need it this? or do you think they benefit from it I mean is that what you're trying to ask yeah did they not have that last did they not have the the veteran presence last year I, I think that they've played together long enough to where even though that some of the guys are young I. I consider Correa a leader. I don't care how old he is. Don't you? Doesn't he have that thing? I think he's a leader, but I don't that think... That X factor? I, I don't know. I don't see how... I don't know. I don't think Beltron coming in here, he's going to get around and, and yell at everybody. McCann literally will like make them run triangles <laughs> and beat people up. So McCann may be a better argument for that, but I, I just don't buy into that. Um, See, and these guys are professionals, and they they hold themselves accountable as well as coaches and the media and people. I, I just don't see it as something that becomes the X factor for a championship team or not. You know what I mean? But I and I 
I agree with it because that that makes sense. You know that these that they've they've been doing this for a long time, and uh, and that should be in that should be Doesn't enough. Hurt. But but I also think there there may be some value in a guy like Beltran being like, look, I've or or McCann saying, okay, um, kind of call, not not necessarily being a, a the fiery leader, but but just to in the clubhouse before a game or on the team playing, being like, all right. When I was, you know, back in 2004, dot, 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 this is what, there's just sort of a, an experience factor that I don't know the Astros had last year because who, who on the team last year had been in, had been in Major League Baseball the longest? Rasmus? Probably. I'm sure. Um, Yeah, he was, I mean, he was probably the most seasoned seasoned and guy that was until he got hurt and weird <laughs> was like a part of the team you know that was a guy that was one of the guys that was you know a veteran but i i don't know he didn't strike me as as a veteran leader yeah i'm trying to think because the bullpen all pretty young guys rotation you know, guys that have been around for a little bit. Doug Fister's been around a little bit. Um, I mean, but, I mean Gomez, I guess. Not I, as long as Rasmus, but I mean, he's been around. I, there just wasn't. So, I mean, I completely agree that that's something that there's that maybe some will guy, be there that wasn't there. I just I don't know how how much of a difference it actually makes. It will not hurt. Yeah, and I all I because all I keep thinking about is is basically David Ross, the freaking backup catcher for the Cubs, is never hey. gonna, he's never going to buy a drink in Chicago ever again. And, and 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 I was reading things over the weekend where where like other executives were saying like the the presence and sort of the steady kind of the wise old man aspect he brought to that young team. He was as even though he didn't show up in box scores, he was more he was as valuable as anybody. Well, and and you know multiple Cubs players said it. I mean, shit, Rizzo was crying and saying, uh, you know, that they became friends and that, you know, that he knew when when he signed with them that they were gonna they were gonna go for it that he was a difference maker. So, you know, maybe there is something to it. Maybe I'm completely wrong. I think it needs to be the right guy. Yeah. But adding to adding McCann and, and Beltron, it's definitely not going to hurt. Right. Just someone to be like, because I mean, what would, I wonder what the season would have been like in April, you know, when, when it was quickly, when they were just digging that hole as deep as they could, what would have been the value of, of someone that had been around a long time to just chill everybody out and tell them to stop trying to make up 10 games in, in one at bat? I think it would have been very valuable. Or even when they played the the incredible baseball that they did, and just kind of keep us from imploding. Yeah. Even though I, injuries had a whole lot to do with that, I don't know if we really could have done anything. To be honest with you, that was a frustrating team. But I, I think it was the injuries. But yeah, I, you're you're completely right. That that could be you. just one little thing. That takes this team from the sexy pick to win the World Series to like a bona fide real contender, yeah. which I think I think they are. I and I keep going back to the fact that that they they are getting Beltron 
in 2017 for $200,000 more than they paid Rasmus last year. <laughs> like Rasmus, because he accepted that qualifying offer, he made 15.8, and they signed Beltran yep. to $16 million. And that's just... I I still go back to I I I don't believe the Astros ever thought Rasmus would actually take we would accept the qualifying offer. I I honestly I'm going to have to agree with you on that. I think that that threw them off. Yeah. And it wouldn't have been bad if he didn't just completely shut down and lose his balance and get <laughs> vertigo or whatever it was that yeah. happened to him. Yeah. Yeah. And then he was had to go back to his possum gods in in the sky. <laughs> He's playing on a farm. Uh, He's on a four wheeler right now, yelling "yeehaw" with his getting stick and just like poking things. He he's happy. Is he drinking Rebel Yell right now? No, I think he's at church on a, on a Monday. Yeah, if you love the Lord, you go every day, James. <laughs> Lord doesn't take a day off. Why should we? <laughs> Oh man, um, so I. Uh, what else we got? In, There's so much optimism and happiness and excitement. Yeah, let's try to bring that down a little bit, because um, we have a special guest coming up here in the next couple of weeks that that we're going to speak more in depth with about this topic because uh, he's been around. He was polarizing in in Houston, um, but <laughs> Very. I don't. He's not. He's not. He's not 100 percent confirmed. So un- unless I've, I've totally given it away. Um, I'm not going to say who it is, but, um, nope. but it's hall of fame season. So, uh, Bud Selig was elected to the hall of fame last night, um, which I have many thoughts on, but, um, <laughs> well, of course he, but uh, of course he was. Yeah. So, um, Bagwell, this is, is this Bagwell's year? It has to be. I, I honestly think he he gets in this year, but I, I'm getting so angry and stressed out by it. Just because it's this is the year, right? He he has to get in this year. It's look, otherwise otherwise that's a wrap. It's looking good as far it, as it's looking very good, but it's still very early too, isn't it? it yeah, there's only like nine. I, I don't know if I'll tweet. I've tweeted a link to it already, and I'll I'll include it. Let's see, ninety one percent. It's it's. It's pretty high as far as known, but there's only like 19 out of 500 and something ballots that that are counted in this in Mr. Tibbs' uh, ballot tracker, who's become well, a Twitter friend. Um, just make it like the election and just call it. Oh, it's early. They they look at like 0.1 percent <laughs> of the votes and they 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 can prognosticate. Well, Wolf Blitzer to to give us the just call it. Um, no, he needs to get in this year. He was close last year. Um, I was very disappointed last year, but this is a year he gets in. We need to stop worrying. He's going to get in. Do what's the what do you think is the actual reason that he hasn't gotten in so far? Um, well, I, people are going to get really mad at me when I say this. Um, I, I don't think the PED rumors have anything to do with it. I just think that he is a quintessential borderline hall of fame player he's right on the fringe and he's on the good side of the fringe um he's just not as slam dunky as as you think just because he was our hero growing up that's just how i feel about it i understand that and and, and, uh, but his numbers are worthy and he is hall of fame worthy and he should get in i'm just saying he's not 
when you go and really break down his numbers and then you factor in how he hit in the playoffs and all this stuff, it's not as cut and dry as, as you want it to be. Um, I think this is exactly how his vote should go, and I think he will get in this year. I, I just wanna... don't think he was like, you see this, he's not like Ken Griffey Jr., and you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, he never he never had that sort of star presence. I mean, he did in Houston because that's all we had going, you know, him and Biggio uh, for for a while. But it's not like the Astros were ever – they were never a, a media darling team. Like, and, it, and, it's, and it's not the small – it's just that, you know, and one of the things that I'm working on is sort of a geographic breakdown of writers that, that didn't vote for – uh, for Bagwell. And I remember doing this a few, like the first year, I think, but it was, it was a lot of Chicago writers and it's a lot of Boston writers and, and, and some New York writers as well. And I just think that if, if you, you know, the Cubs, I don't know how many reporters are fans of the team that they cover, but you know, Bagwell did pretty well against the Cubs, but there was never a reason for anyone in Boston to pay attention because the Astros never made it to a World Series, uh, you know, until 2005, so they never saw him, and and I he was never, you know, the I don't know if he was ever on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I'm sure he, I'm sure at some point he was, but but he he but, never had that. But exactly, that he was one of presence. those under the radar, widely acknowledged as a very good baseball player, but was never like the super duper star that owned the league. He was always just very productive and, and he was quiet. He wasn't demonstrative. He kind of went about his business. Um, not much personality. So he didn't really do anything extra to draw attention to himself, yeah. um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but when it comes to hall of fame voting later, I think that kind of plays into it. Yeah. And again, I'm being negative and I, I don't want people to take it the wrong way. I absolutely think Baggy is a Hall of Famer, and I love the guy. I just I'm I'm coming at it from a uh, an outsider's perspective. Do you think there's? Because I was thinking about this. My wife and I, and I were were talking about this. Do, Bagwell. I mean, if you want to look at, there's only 30 franchises, right? Yeah. Uh, one of the the franchises. If I'm trying to think how to put this, if you were to ask anybody. Name, name two Astros that you remember from from when you were growing up. It's probably going to go to Biggio and Bagwell. Do you think that in the case of a of a quote unquote borderline candidate, and I, and I, I understand where you're. I'm not I'm not picking at you. I understand where you're coming from um, when you say that. But do you think that the fact that that he is a franchise hero and that the Hall of Fame represents the best of the game? Do you think there's an obligation to? Or, or that sort of tips the scales, like that he was an absolute god in Houston for what twelve years, fifteen years. Is that enough? Like, is there a responsibility to the Hall of Fame to put a particular franchise's best player in? Um, I I absolutely think so. I think that yeah, and. And I'm not talking about like folk heroes and guys who you know everybody loves, and they're trying to think of an example of of somebody like that that's not as productive. But yeah, I, I think 
the story of Biggio and Bagwell and together is is good for the game. And he was he's a great player. He he was a great player. He yeah, really he, was. And and there are lesser players in. Yeah. And I just don't. I, you know, he he stayed out for a couple years and got vetted, and that's kind of what they do. And now's his time. I mean, if you when you compare him to other first basemen, I, I think he's exactly where he should be and, and needs to go in. Like Bill James, was it third or fourth best first baseman of all time? Bill James absolutely loved Bagwell. Yeah, he had him ranked very high. But it shows you how much they care about Bill James. And I think it. Has, were you were you shocked when you read that? Uh, well, I mean, I grew up an Astros fan, so he was like the best first baseman I'd ever seen right but, but how but yeah but how uh just how high he was ranked yeah he, well yeah because i mean there's a lot of great first basemen that have played and it wasn't until i guess later on when i was sort of in i, I didn't get into i i always i always enjoyed watching baseball but it wasn't until sort of my later high school years college years that i started kind of studying the game's history um I just liked it when the Astros win, and I was pissed off when they lost, and and, right. and then it was time to watch football when baseball was over. And I hated the Braves because they brought about my attention on football. So, you know, but but to go back and and when you're mentioning like Lou Gehrig and in the same breath as as the guy that I grew up kind of rooting for, then yeah, that was surprising. Like, oh crap, that actually pans out. Like, that's better than my. You know my obsession with Eric Clapton when I was in high school, like that Bagwell, <laughs> that Bagwell one holds up. So, so yeah, that's uh, that was surprising, but but pleasantly surprising. Well, you know, I, I mean, he was what fifty two home runs, fifty one home runs away from being a lock. Yeah, if he hit, if he hit the, I think he had four forty nine, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, something right. around there, and he was almost a three hundred hitter. So we're not talking about just a just raw power. The guy raked. Um, his last two seasons betrayed betrayed his Hall of Fame candidacy because he was a hundred percent. He was terrible. He was a such. He was the worst thing to see when his arm was gone. It was you wanted to take him out and old yeller him. To be honest with you, <laughs> <laughs> and then he would have been a lock Hall of Famer. If that but well, but Willie but Willie Mays was awful too. So I mean, you can't just, you play until you can't play anymore. But watching him try to like. Throw the ball across the infield was literally the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, swing, swinging the like getting the bat off of his shoulder. So, but, but I mean, yeah, no, no, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. You think if if his if his last two years would have been as halfway as productive as his kind of mid nineties, late nineties, he would have gotten he would have kept his three hundred average. He would have gotten to five hundred home runs, and we're and we're not talking about this right now. So, um. Yeah, it, it wouldn't have even been up for debate if he's if he's a 500 home run hitter and 300 plus. Um, and you know if if that strike season, strike shortened season didn't happen, um, I think that that would that would have helped a little bit as well. Didn't he get Didn't he get hurt like a week before the strike? I think I I think he did, but I, I don't want to go on record and say I remember for sure. I know he was hitting like 370 or some he, shit like well, that. Yeah, that's it was something year, ridiculous. That's the year he won the MVP. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I, and I yeah, so he had 39 home runs in that, in that year. So there's how many would he end up hitting? I by mean, August, yeah. If he yeah. 
So it's just, I mean, it's one of those things that his body, his body broke down. And if you want, if you're looking for a reason to keep him out, you look at your mid nineties, late nineties, early two thousand slugger, whose body breaks down quickly. And you look at the era that they played in and yep. there's your reason to not vote for a guy, but it's the, pe- I just, no, I'm sorry. No, it's the people that, that won't vote for Bagwell because of, of steroids, but, or the steroid suspicion, but will vote for like Sammy Sosa and Manny Ramirez. That absolutely drives me insane. Well, I just don't, I understand body type and the era that he played in, but he was never, there was never any rumors. It was just people saying, yeah, but he does it. I just find that very unfair. That's very irresponsible for a journal. I mean, it's, it's uh, it, it, really, be- it really is. Never any scandals, not even close calls. Um, it wasn't like, shh, he's absolutely on them. Um, I, I, so I, that, that offends me deeply. For, so if that's the reason that people have been keeping him off, then they can all literally go drown in a well. <laughs> we, when the Astros were – when it was god-awful to write about the Astros, you know, those three or, that three or four-year stretch – uh, we did a lot of we did a lot of Bagwell's Hall of Fame. We sort of debunked this whole like his power came out of nowhere. And I'll throw some links up on on the on the blog or something that we've done in the past about sort of debunking this whole like well he obviously juiced and because his his power came he just all of a sudden was hitting home runs. No, he was hitting doubles in the minors and he played at the you know the Astrodome you know the a cavern essentially the coolest cavern in the world but right but it's a a cavern nonetheless but it's like people can't make adjustments Altuve shortened his swing and did work and look yeah and he it's it's like that that is the that's the catalyst for the rumors they think if you just have a dramatic increase it can't just be you working and getting better (laughs) right it's it's peds just because of brady anderson yeah exactly the only reason that's the only. That's the only possible. And it's not that you take so much pride in your craft, or you're trying to make a boatload of money. It's got to be you started juicing. Ugh, I hate baseball writers. Besides you, <laughs> there, actually, there's a lot of really good ones, but it's the uh, the old guard. That's exactly. They are. What it is. Uh, they really need to to do something. I know baseball's this tradition centered thing. But I, I've just had enough of those guys and this Hall of Fame crap. And this is the only player that's really doing it for me. You know but what? they're doing it to so many other players. You know what tradition uh, they're going to follow? The, that old guard of, of riders that are the keeper of morality in, in baseball. You know what tradition is going to get them? Dying. That'll, <laughs> that'll help. Yeah. yeah, they just need to not pass on their, their terrible... Uh, they're terrible ways. That's right. Death to them. Yeah. So uh, there's there's one more thing that I definitely want to cover. And then uh, do we have any questions from Twitter? I didn't ask for them, so no. All right, cool. Um, and then we'll get into our con- – we'll, we'll see. We'll kind of wrap things yeah, up. Yeah, we got to announce our – We got to get our contest. contest. Hooray. Uh, but I saw that uh, – because, of course, you know, the Cubs won the World Series and, and uh, great for them uh, – but uh, I saw like Moises Alou um, has said that he also a former Astros great. Um, Moises Alou has said that he wants to he, he wants to get Bartman involved with the Cubs. Uh, 
uh, to to bring closure to the 2003 season. Uh. And my immediate thought is, and I retweeted it, and it was it was perfect. But because I was thinking it too, and then I saw this tweet, and I can't take. I can't take credit for, even though I was thinking about it, I want to give credit. I don't want it to look like I'm plagiarizing. Um, but basically the, tw- the tweet was saying, like, idiots, you can't trot out Bartman now and and help your guilt for ruining that dude's life. No, I, the, I, and I think I tweeted about this too. I was just like, if I was Bartman, I would tell them to just shove, shove it up their ass. <laughs> Yeah. And, and and not just the Cubs, but just the their whole universe or nation, whatever you want to call the whole. It's because it's the fans. It's not the actual Cubs. Well, the Cubs, but like they didn't issue any They didn't do anything for this guy after he's been reamed for years, and then all of a sudden, oh, we want closure. Like fuck you. Yeah, they got Bill Buckner because uh, that's what you know. Buckner. I don't know that Buckner. They tried to give Buckner a ring when the when the Red Sox won in two thousand four, and I want to say, like he didn't accept it or he didn't. No, I don't think he did. He was go fuck yourself. Yeah. I mean, get out of here. I mean, That's... I if there's a long list of people that that have gotten the brunt of public scrutiny that that did far worse than than Bartman. He didn't do anything. No, it's true. It's true. But he but, did what literally every person on earth would do in that situation. I, I, I would probably get out of the way, wouldn't you? I just be, but I can't say that I would. I've always but, wanted. I've always wanted to catch a foul ball. I've. But ne- if there's a player coming over to make a play, like I, I feel like I would get out of the way. But ninety nine percent of people would. That's your right. It's in the stands. Even he has every right to go for that ball. I mean, Moises. It's Moises Alou's fault. This whole thing is his fault. He threw a little, a little. If he didn't bit. throw that tantrum, I, I, maybe a few people bring it up, but he's not this like legend. Also, if, if Alex Gonzalez had turned the routine double play like the next batter, then it's not even a talking point. It shouldn't have been a talking point at all. It's just so stupid, and that sums up Cubs Nation for me. I, I hate them all, but yeah, Bartman should just be like. Or he should tell him he's going to do it and like show up in full White Sox gear and just be like, "What's up?" Or, or in car- even Cardinals gear would be like the biggest heel move ever. I actually hope <laughs> that would be better than not showing up. If if he had like a Bartman '03 jersey that he he wore to any sort of like public event, that would be that's better than not showing up. <laughs> yeah, it really would be. Where, uh, yeah, that'd be hilarious if he would just troll them. He'd be a hero in my book. Have you ever caught a foul ball at a major league baseball game? I've I've caught a few of them. Yeah, really. I have. Probably three or four. I had one. I uh, it was a it was a Sunday game, and when when my wife and I when her parents lived in Houston, we lived in we lived in Abilene for a while, and we would go to like. I remember on uh, the day of, of my wife's wedding shower, like I went to an Astros game and I didn't because I didn't know that I was supposed to go. And so I like I, I drove like I dropped her off at church at, at the church where the shower was. And I was like, I'll see you in a few hours. I'm going to go watch. It was the Astros and Rays. It was an interleague game in 03. And Billy Wagner got his 200 save. And, uh, and and I don't know if it was at that game, but but I had Berkman 
It was it was an it was a Sunday afternoon game. Berkman hit a foul ball, and I was coming back from the bathroom, and I could tell from the trajectory that it was going to go right to my seat. And so I hustled past a few people, and it I tried to cradle the ball, and it hit me in the palm of my hand. But when I cradled it, so it didn't break my hand. Uh, my hand, like the bottom of my hand, hit the back of my seat, and it like basically like flipped the ball to the to the, like a like a six year old kid behind me. And <laughs> it was like a week after. I don't know if you remember. I think it was a Rangers game. I'm just gonna say it was a Rangers game. Um, that like some youth minister like pushed a kid out of the way to get a foul ball, and everyone hated him. And that flashed through my mind. Like I can't take the ball back from the kid whose lap it landed in, even though I helped him get it. Yeah, the, the, it it gets rough out there in those in those foul ball streets. Yeah, yeah. So you got to play the game before the game plays you. Yeah, the, I was sitting at the dome. Um, it was probably in the the last few years before uh, before they moved to Minute Maid, and my uncle. We were on the first base side, and they somebody hit a just a taser of a line drive and he was double fisting had two beers and it, and it hit him in the chest oh god and it was awesome and he ended up getting the foul ball two uh two beers since they spilled and then they came in they checked out him and they brought him another ball and it was like the coolest thing i've ever seen and he was just like i'm not giving up these beers like <laughs> let it be it's like you're the man that I I wonder what kind of bruise that left. Oh yeah, it, I don't think he felt it because he was pounding those. <laughs> well, his body would remind those, those cold ones, but it was still one of the coolest moves of all time. <laughs> and it it could have just been panic. I mean, because what do you do? It's like, ah! <laughs> but he uh, he chose his beers, and I respect that. Yeah, it's a lot of money uh, to just drop in the interest of self preservation. So that's tough. All right, so who won? Uh, All right, who's the me, winner? Who won the Bravado Spice Christmas time giveaway? And I'm not afraid to say Christmas because it's our show, and I will say it. Yeah. I'm saying holidays. Uh-huh. Y'all can y'all can all die. Okay. Basically all you had to do was was tweet in and, and give a memory of your favorite part of the show this last year. That's it. Very simple. Not asking a lot. Uh, yep. So, in it's not really second place. There's just two different giveaways. So this really isn't a second place. Yeah. So I, I don't know why I said that. Um, the person who won the box of seasonings, which is incredible, you should be very happy, is Eric Perkins. Hey, good job, Eric. Coach, at Coach E Perk. Um, Great guy, and he sent a picture of his puppy. Yeah. So that kind of sealed the deal, but his favorite moment was when Mindy called, Nick Mundy called everybody on Astro's Twitter a bunch of idiots. <laughs> and I'd have to agree with him. I, I liked that moment a lot. That was a good moment. So um, I will – let me see if I'm not following him yet. I will follow him, and I, Eric, I will get your information, and we will uh, – Bravado will send that out to you. So Sweet. congratulations. Good job, Coach. And Coach. And to the winner of the sauce variety pack from our good friends at Bravado 
I'm just delaying while I scroll and try to find this. La la la. I need like the the music. Okay. It's gonna be Astro Boy hey. Astro Blast sixty five. A very good guy, very loyal listener of the show. Um, is always supportive, and his moment was the Colby Rasmus talk about the glove and the orange and the getting stick. <laughs> and then he sent a picture of, of Colby and the possum army. So that's very nostalgic for us. Cause that was the, the possum, the peak of possum was some of the best, the best times. And we'll yeah. never get that back. I feel like that was the, epi- if I remember correctly, that was the episode where we talked about potentially giving Colby Rasmus four years and $80 million. Oh yeah, we were there. We were right there, and uh, thank God they didn't do that. And then his equilibrium was like, "Go on and get." <laughs> well, so that of- was yeah, that was our peak time. We were both doing radio spots. We were on yeah. top of the. Actually, we weren't on top of the world. Now we get guests. We get baseball players on. We have national media and ex NFL players. Like we're we're kind of killing it right now. The best is yet to come, too, for sure. Yeah, we're excited for this upcoming season. But congratulations, Astro Boy, since I don't have your name. Um, glad you won that. I will also get your information, and we'll get that out to you. Uh, so I hope everybody else is excited for this, this upcoming season. We've got some good guests coming up, and we will continue to sporadically do shows here in the, uh, in the off season. So you guys have a wonderful week. Yeah, this is uh, Lima Time Time. This is not like a, it feels like it's a season finale, but it's really not. But yeah, we're, we're I did gonna, have that feeling. But yeah, we'll be back soon. Whenever, maybe next week. Who knows? It might be next week. So live from the Taylor Buckholtz Memorial Studio. <laughs> this has been Lima Time Time. Bye.